Sometimes we're going through that time of chastisement. What does it seem to us, right? It seems grievous, right, and not joyous. And the reason why it seems grievous to us and not joyous is the reason for the chastisement by his grace because the reason why we're being chastised by his grace is because why? We're thinking incorrectly about the nature and character of God. Right? And so when we gather together, right, when we gather together, he wins us over with the reality of who he is. Okay? And we realize that we're right with God. Right? It's a big, listen, it's a huge deal. Because this ushers in, in a, re, in a local assembly, true fellowship around Christ and around God's thoughts. And so through the years, um, oh boy. And Steve, I even think you were around. I know, I know Tim was. You know, I don't know who else was around at this time. But I, we, me, I think me and Gene were here for, uh, we moved down in December. We invited Ed and his wife, Elaine, at the time. And I think it was like 2008, right? They came. We were in uh, Norton's house. Yeah, Steve Norton, he, we had met, we were meeting in his house. Do you remember that? And the stage. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we had knew knew each other before that from Baltimore, but through the this through this like these years, right through the years, you know, and I look back at it now, you know, and like the reality of this chastisement by His grace into not only. Right, not only to convincing us that we're approved in him personally, just dealing with things that we thought we had to deal with that he's already dealt with and convincing us there, then like it expressed itself to each other. You know, in over years, you know, probably now going back um I don't even know, twenty, twenty three, twenty four years, right? just given us the beauty of oneness, right? Just because we're thinking right with God based on the character and nature of who he is. And then you just enjoy, right? This beauty. And, and listen, and we, I think, I don't know how many times a week we probably talk, and, you know, you, you, you know, we FaceTime together. And, and then, and then other times we just talk, and it's, it's, listen, it's never old. Come on. It's a, he's a dude. Not my wife, right? But this is what, like, this is, this is, it's so rich that we have, and God just does, and I'm looking in this room, and it's like, honestly, guys, like, I don't think about this a lot in references to different locals as local assembly assemblies, but how many times you go in with a group this size, right? And you actually have nothing between you and anybody. The work, look at it's a work of God, right? And it's what Paul determined in first Corinthians two, two, right? 
he said there was, you know, you really study that word out, it's incredible. But he says, I determined to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, everything's been dealt with, right? So we can look each other, look at each other in the finished work, understanding the nature and character of God, and we can truly, by a choice, have fellowship with each other, and nothing has to hinder it. And, you know, I just, when, when you, we were talking this morning, he mentioned, uh, we just mentioned, like, what forgiveness was. You know, forgiveness in a group this size is such a beautiful opportunity, right? And what happens the, the, when we, we have the ability in Christ to forgive one another it comes from God confirming to us that he loves us. That's what, listen, that's what it does. And when you're convinced, listen, when you're convinced in time within a group like this, we talked about humility, meekness was who you are in front of God. Humility, this is what it's talking about. Humility is who you are in the midst of everybody else, right? When you're humbled, right, under the mighty hand of God, which is, if you study that out, his divine approval and authority, right? He's got the, the listen, he has the, he has the authority through his work and approval of you to establish you, right? It humbles you, right? And you realize, look, if you realize he's got nothing against you, right? And you are opened up to receive from him. And listen, it gives you the divine ability to forgive others. And it, it, it is. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a confirmation, a confirming of his love for you. And it's such, listen, it's such a beautiful opportunity. Do you know, that you, do you know there is nothing you have against anybody in this room? Do you know that? It's just so beautiful. And we can just live under that. And I'm, I'm just, I'm very thankful, and I'm very thankful that you're here, you know, because that's not a small thing these days, you know. They got the light, the flight delayed, left at 6 o'clock in the morning. Ed couldn't sleep, so he got up at midnight, and he dragged it, you know. Hey, but, you know, he's here, and we're together, and I get to fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, we meet, and it's not that we're familiar but we meet together like this all the time. You know, we get to talk with each other, but very rarely do we have time, you know, to hear from that. And so I just really want him to come up and just share his heart with us. And had some thoughts just from what you were sharing is in, in this way, you know, and, and again, you know, this path that we're on, it talks about the path in Proverbs 4 and verse 18. We're on this path. And it's it's a path that's lit up, and uh, and that just simply means, uh, for instance, in Psalm thirty six and verse nine, it says, "With you, O God, is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light." And that's what's going on when we gather together in fellowship and grow. And so I, the way that I was getting these thoughts tonight was, what what is chast chastisement is the proof of God's satisfaction of who he's made us to be in the son of his love. 
pretty awesome. <laughs> and I just, it's a new way, you know, of growth and seeing this. It's just, it's just incredible. And so that is what forgiveness is. And, and so like for me, when God works in me in terms of forgiving someone else, Who's the first one that he's setting free? Me. <laughs> that's who he's setting free. Yeah. And that's why, you know, there's no, there's no in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, there's no comparing, you know. It, it just completely does away with that. And so I like that, I like that thought that, you know, God, when God chastises us, it's proof of his satisfaction. Complete, completely satisfied with who he's made us to be by giving us his son, right? And it just brings out these, you know, these incredible truths, you know, and that's what makes it, you know, <clears throat> and so when we talk about the nature, character, and essence of God, then if it's, it makes it essential for us to know the nature, character, and essence of God, right? And that's why, you know, in, in this sense that, you know, there's there's a, there's no fear in love. In First John four eighteen, there's no fear in love. Now, who is love? God is love, <laughs> and there's no fear in love because a perfect love, complete love, casts out fear. Because fear has what? It has torment, and and torment we were saying this morning is the Greek word kalasis, and it means torture. It's torture. So. So he that, he that fears is not experiencing what God in his love has completed about us. And so what, what gives God joy? What would give him joy? In Psalm 1611, in his presence there's the fullness of joy, and at his right hand there's pleasures forevermore. What, what gives him that joy? What gives God his joy? Christ. Because he's the measure of the full satisfaction of who, who Christ is in each of us. <laughs> he's that measure. So we come together, and we, we come together, and we experience through submitting. In Ephesians 5, verse 21, it says to submit yourself one to another in the reverence of Christ in each other. And it's really, it's really amazing. It really is. And... Uh, and, and again, too, just with some simple thoughts, uh, you know, in, in terms of even the types that were in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, Old Testament there was the majority of the, what was called the Congregation of Israel. And that's different than who we are as the church, by the way. The church was never even thought of, only in, in terms of God's mind in the Old Covenant. Because Christ had to come and, and be crucified. And, you know, and then in John 1, 12, as many as would receive him, to them he gave that power, the authority and right to become the sons of God. And we talked about that this morning, too. You know, how we cry, you know, Abba, Father. And then when I thought of that, too, I'm, I'm thinking of these in terms of forgiveness and me dealing with, th with my relationships, my natural mom and dad, and having to forgive certain things, you know. And without blame, you have Psalm 27 and verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, through ignorance or whatever, the Lord will take me up. So it does away with all this blame game. And that's why, truly, what do we hold against each other that Christ hasn't dealt with? So instead of being captured by his love, which we are positionally, then who captures us? 
Yeah. And this is what this is what makes this so necessary, you know. We're saying this morning again in Matthew 20, 28, and the Mark uh, 10, verse 45. Christ came not to be ministered unto. Ah, need to get that one right. He did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And we have the privilege to be included in the many. <laughs> really. So just some thoughts. I mean, just something I just had never thought quite about. Uh, again, just the, the proof of his satisfaction. It's the fact that we're chastised. And, we, and again, the majority of time, I don't know about you folks, but I know with me, the majority of, of, of usually God's first step in grace is called chastisement. Yeah, loving chastisement and understanding it that way, you know. And we're not the sounding board. We're not the sounding board for God's anger and frustration. As a matter of fact, was God ever angry in that sense and frustrated? No, it was called wrath. And that wrath was poured out on his son. And my God, what will the flesh in me do? Boy, when I don't experience forgiveness. So who's the prisoner? Yeah. And, you're, and what are we saying? I think somebody mentioned it beautifully this morning. Yeah, it says Christ is not enough. Did you say that? Yeah, you did. You, Isaac said that. Yeah, is Christ enough? Is he enough? Wow, well, God's completely satisfied. Oh boy, I'll tell you. You know, this is just, you know, and then of course, thank God for I thank God for translations, but you know, for instance, in First Corinthians eleven, thirty-one and thirty-two, if we don't, and it's not a good translation, you know. Because in one sense, our flesh, when God tells us to judge the flesh, is, is that we're judging ourselves? No, we're confessing that that's gone. And when we don't do that, then he comes in and guess what he does? He convinces us. And many times, you know what that is? Loving chastisement. Because if, if, for instance, as parents, if you love your child, you truly love them. And Mike brought this up. We had this exchange for many years between us. You know, the three steps in, in learning and growth and, and grace in Second Peter 3 in verse 18. The first one is enforced discipline. What's that? You parents know. Like it or not, this is the way it is. And your will. And this, is, this goes into these things that we understand in terms of God's anticipated love and his pervenient grace. Again, pervenient grace is God's grace that he gives, he gives towards us even when our will is not operating in submission. But even in that sense, even in that sense, if we don't make that proper confession, he comes in and he lovingly chastises us, and that's called conviction. And conviction always does away with condemnation. So when he chastises me, is he condemning me? He's loving me. Loving discipline. And I don't know about how some of you grew up, but again, no fault thing. You know, I've had to deal with that, you know, with my, my parents, you know. Uh, I was the sounding board for their anger and their frustration. It wasn't for my sake. I just became a sounding board. And I'm going to tell you, that's what I do in the flesh. And more and more, God's separating those two. And this is what makes it necessary for us to come and, and as much as we can, as much as we can. 
because you know, in this sense, you 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 just think. I mean, even in terms of Christ, he is is he he will not in one sense be satisfied in who he is, but will he be satisfied if we if everything about his love in us hasn't driven out every fear? Would you be as a parent if your child didn't trust you and was afraid? God. Because fear, I'll tell you, fear has torment. We talked about this too, you know, and I'm still learning this, but the unbearable burden is guilt. And the enemy still, still is not going to let up. He doesn't let up on me for a second. He doesn't, about guilt. Making me, you know, relive these failures again. <laughs> or these sins, you know. And that's again, you know, that, that again is, is when we when we enter into forgiveness, and that's the greatest, one of the greatest devices separating things from the enemy is the lack of forgiveness. The lack of forgiveness. And that's what Holy Spirit through Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 2.11. You know, he, he said, we, we are not ignorant of his devices. His devices. And it's to separate. You know, to separate. And usually what he, he goes after is those... Uh, those relationships that are really the closest, right? Really, he really goes after those. You know? But just through guilt, trying to relive, you know, all these bad things. And it's the unbearable burden. Yeah. Because there's only one burden bearer, and that, of course, was our precious Savior. And we're to cast, you know, in First Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your cares on him. And really, the Greek, it says, do it all. Once, once and for all, think of every single thing that could cause you to be anxious, which is fear and pride motivated. Think of it all. Think of it all. And then cast it on him. And I'll never forget this illustration. Years ago, I don't know where I got this thing, but in Psalm 55 and verse 22, it says, cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be moved. And the picture, forget it, was some Hebrew, uh, someone I got it from. And there's these two guys, and they're, they're in the deserts there and, and somewhere in Israel. And it's in the heat of the day. And one guy is just walking his camel. Another, another guy, a friend of his, he has his pack on. And he's, he's walking through this really hot desert. Then finally... That burden is causing this guy to bend down, so his sight really is, is not where it belongs. And then finally, the, the friend says to him, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you take that pack that you're trying to carry and put it on my camel? And that's what it's teaching us. You know, why, why do we wait? <laughs> we cause, you know, we think, God, you ever think God takes so long for, to do things? Yeah, but he has to wait to be gracious. He, in Isaiah 30, verse 18, and he, who is he? God is, and he's waiting to be, and where does love flow through? It's the only place. And who does God give the grace to? You know what the plan is designed to do? Guess what? To humble us. Do you think, and, and would I humble myself in the flesh? How could I? I'm never wrong. <laughs> right? But I love that I love this separating, sanctifying process that we're in. I really, I really love it. And uh, thank God too, you know. 
I mean, what an, what, what an example we have as far as our Savior, you know. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, come unto me. Why do we wait? Come unto me, all you that, okay, labor. And labor there is our own personal sins and struggles. And then heavy laden is those things that others put on us. It could be bad teaching. It could be everything else. And in both cases, in both cases, what do they become the opportunity for? Because when Jesus was saying that, come unto me in 11, 28 to 30, you see in the beginning of that chapter, all the way to the 19th verse down through, who was more rejected and more misunderstood and hated than him? Who did he go to? His father. Now, because we have Christ, who do we go to? We go to Christ, and who do we have when we're in Christ? We have a loving father. <laughs> uh, it's just been incredible here, just to be here and have all the portions and, and uh, you know, you know, and, and I was saying this morning, you know, in terms of coming here, the trips, this was the, this was the most fiercely battled trip about me coming here. It was intense. It was intense, <laughs> you know, and I'm like the two-year-old, you know, like, why do I, why do you want me to go, God? You know, saying this, you know, 71-year-old child. Why do you want me to go, God? You know, like, do you have to know why until you obey him? <laughs> you know, and so I see why now. Boy, am I glad I listened. I'm, I'm glad, you know, I'm, you know so I, I needed to be here for God to do in me what he planned on doing in this particular place. Yeah. Yes. No, do I get the grace until I do? No, and, and, and he causes that. Like, okay, like, all right, so there's flesh in me and it's not Christ operating, right? So he's going to trust me in the flesh to humble myself, right? Ain't happening. So his whole plan is designed to do that. It's called this child training. We're in child training, really, you know. And you know, it's and, and this is why we get together, okay? And and Mike, you brought that up again. Again, meekness is who I am when I'm all alone with God. I don't. Want, oh, this is so good, God. Do I have to go around other people? <laughs> because humility is who I'm. Who I'm like, in the presence of God around others. That have Christ in them. Oh boy, that's a big deal. And we we give this illustration. I give this illustration. Yeah, I give it. I gotta <laughs> forget where. But we're all like these little stones, you know. We're like stones, and we all have these jagged edges. We do. And God puts all those stones in a bag, and then He starts shaking them. And this is Hebrews the twelfth chapter, verse twenty-five to twenty-nine. God is shaking, and we begin. Bouncing off one another. <gasps> and what's he doing? And in any each local assembly, what is he doing? He's, he's removing all those sharp edges, polishing them so they all fit in their proper place and give the perfect, complete, complete picture and reality of Christ in a local assembly. And each one has a place. Yeah. And, you know, and Mike was doing this. He was doing one of his tricks to me today. He's going, he does these things like this, you know? Really, really great. 
And so, but, but this, this finger compares itself with this one, right? No, because it's too busy. This hand's doing what it's supposed to do. This hand's doing what it's supposed to do. I love these truths, you know. And you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So freedom. You know, we, it, and someone said the opportunity every time we get together is the opportunity to function in freedom. And you don't get it and I don't get it without dependence. So, anyone have any anything to put out there? Anyone? Any thoughts? Yeah, any thoughts or anyone? <laughs>